Hi guys, it's Timmy Holland here. I just got out of my Zoom class and I'm about to start my homework, but I wanted to check in with the Purple Pants Posse. Yeah, I don't like Bryson. I don't like this podcast, but she's my dad's friend. So I guess you should check out this week's episode of the Purple Pants Podcast. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. Ooh. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. Ooh. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Purple Pants Podcast. I am your host, Bryce Isaiah, and I'm so glad you clicked that click, click button to check out this week's episode. I've got a juicy episode for you guys. But before we get into this week's episode, I need for you to make sure you subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Uncle Pookie's Back Car, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you give me a five stars, one, two, three, four, five, and write your baby boy a review. I greatly appreciate it. What's going on, Purple Pants Posse? I'm so glad for another week. That means another episode from your baby boy. What's everyone been doing? I hope everyone has been staying safe. It's crazy out here. A lot is going on, but you know here I got you. And I hope that everyone is manifesting positivity in their life. It is important for us to do that. We are definitely in some uncertain times and, you know, the future for a lot of us is in question. However, I feel like we can control our energy and where we put it. And if we are manifesting positive things, if we are manifesting the things that we want to happen, our words have power. We can speak them into existence. So I am challenging my purple pants posse this week to speak it into existence. Okay. If you applying for grad school, we speak it into existence. If you want to lose weight, we speak it into existence. If you want to find a man, okay, speak it into existence for me, okay? Where he at? S- send him my way, okay? You want better relationships with your friends, family, speak it into existence. It's all about manifesting the things that you want. And I just, I don't know, it was just really on my spirit. So I just had to just come and deliver that to you. I hope that you receive it. And I truly hope I am manifesting that it reaches someone and that you begin to manifest your own positive future and what you want. Because again, our words and thoughts have power. Okay, Purple Pants Posse, get it done manifest it, manifest it into existence, speak it into existence. Now, what y'all been up to? What you been doing? How was your week since we last talked? You know, we got off the phone last week and you know, what? what's the tea? What y'all been doing? Well, you ask how I've been doing? You know, you know, you want me to say it? Do you want me to say it? Do you want me to say it? Oh, you do? Oh, you do? Uh Uh-huh. Busy. 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 Busy as a corp. Busy as a T. I'm busy as a quarantine. Be, be, be busy 
as a quarantine. Beep, beep, beep. You know. Yes, it is true. You know me. I am busy as a quarantine bee. So this week, Wendell actually had a project, a huge project with his business, Beave Unlimited. Make sure you guys check that out. He had been working, him and Joey had been working on this bookstore renovation. It is a bookstore called Harriet's Bookstore. It's a black owned bookstore and they carry black authors. And it's just amazing. And I, I love it. I, I, it's, if, if anyone has ever heard of it, if you haven't, look it up. It's truly amazing. And it is a cultural store. It just really kind of just made me feel good to be there. However, they had a backyard space and, it, it 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 was a backyard. It was, you know, just trash cans and just different things. And so they contacted Wendell to renovate it to a book nook. Okay, yes, a book nook. But baby, and listen, y'all know Wendy is one of my good friends, and you know I will always support him. But I'm not just saying this because I am one of his friends. The work that Wendell and Joey did on that backyard was phenomenal i i had went there earlier in the project when they first started you know wendell had me carrying rocks and pebbles and i was busy throughout the last couple of weeks or the week and a half and then last week when i was able to go to actually see the finishing product i was floored i couldn't believe it was the same space it was amazing so i had to help him out with that then they had a, a relaunching uh a re-grand opening that kind of sort of got a got a little messed up by covid but they had the philadelphia orchestra there it was really amazing and you know this weekend i had to get my zaddy calendars out that are still available listen they're going like hotcakes so you better get your zaddy calendar bryce is bryce dash isaiah dot my shopify and get on it but yes I also had a couple of meetings and now you hear me talking about manifesting and I really want to manifest myself into I want to grow. And so I had I'm working with a couple of people to help me grow. And so this weekend I had a couple of meetings with some people to help me grow my brand, myself and, you know, just on a. Uh, just a different level. And so there are back to back meetings with that. And so, you know, baby boy was busy. So, but I was glad to be busy because, you know, sometimes people, if you can't create a routine, if you can't create, you know, something for yourself to do, we can kind of like sit in our thoughts and sometimes they don't create positive thoughts. So we got to get over that and really manifest to ourselves what we need to do and something that I've been doing uh, maybe for the last couple of months. I think I talked about it before, but I've really been giving myself a list of goals that I want to accomplish in the day that are very tangible and achievable goals. And, you know, I just it for me and when I'm done, it makes me feel like I've accomplished something. So try that out. Purple Pants Posse. That might help you as well, too. But I'm so excited. For this week's episode, yes. So let me give you the rundown. We've got our church announcements. And then I welcome Jatia back because we are talking all things Real Housewives of Potomac. Also on the menu this week, I watched the documentary. This is Paris on YouTube. Shout out to my Purple Pants Posse, Tierra Combs. She recommended it. And baby, I got a lot out of it. So I really kind of just go into what I thought about it. The documentary is about Paris Hilton. But I... 
I had to put my social work hat on it. So definitely check that out. And then we've got the Purple Pants Premonitions with Gangsta Gurry. And this week, Gangsta Gurry gives me a personal reading about manifesting. And is that a word? Manifesting into my future and what that looks like. So listen, it, it's, a, it's a piece for everybody. And then we've got our Purple Pants Picks, Advice with Bryce, and Freak of the Week, Big Bag. So listen, let's get this party started. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. It's a church announcement, so now. Welcome to church. Yes, and on this week's church announcements, it's actually a temple announcement. I know that Yom Kippur was this week and I really just wanted to take some time to show some love to my Jewish listeners and I really hope that you guys had an easy fast and I really hope that you had a great breaking of the fast and that you spent time being grateful for your life, your family and reconnecting to your community and your family. I just wanted to send some purple love to my purple pants Jewish family out there and I hope that you receive this with a warm heart. It's a man who is a man you me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew. It's a man who is a man you me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew. Keeping the menu rolling, baby. Okay, the real housewives of I was really, I was really about to say Atlanta, but we all know I am no longer a watcher of Atlanta. Hate to start this recap off like this, but the news has broken. Nini and Bravo could no longer come to an agreement, so Nini will not be on the next season, and I choose to retire as a real housewife. I think sometimes you get to the point in a series where you need a shakeup and she need to be shook on out. So it's I mean, okay. She's brought in, she's brought in a lot to the series and fine. that she birthed it. She mothered it. And you know, it's disrespectful. Well, sometimes you got to lead a nest and it's time it's, to lead a nest. And that's fine. And the less can be left. You be getting so upset when I talk I'm about it. Yes, the nest are. can be left and I will leave the nest as well too. But anyway, first of all, this is not how we starting this off. Okay. Yeah. We're here for man, Real Housewives of Potomac. Okay. And let me just say. You big man. <laughs> girl, let me just say. The Real Housewives Are you, you going to be able to get through this? Girl. Are you going like, to take listen, you about to exit this podcast <laughs> like Mimi exiting the nest, okay? What I am saying is that the Real Housewives of Potomac did not disappoint tonight, okay? There was... It was good. The, it the was best episode all, of the Okay, season. baby, if this was a steak, it was medium rare, and the juice was dripping all over the place. Yes. Yes, I agree. This was by far the best episode of the season. Everybody's drama was jumping off. All the drama. Everybody's but Robin. (laughs) But but I still am team Robin. I love Robin. Um, yes. So this was the dramatic conclusion of Giselle getting the ladies together at the barn. We know there had been tension with Monique and Candace, and it all erupted on this episode. Now, what I will say is is that I have rewatched the fight about four times and 
and I was mortified. I was angry. I was mad. I, like all of the emotions because I put myself in Monique's position. I put myself in Candace's position. And I really have to say in that situation, I am probably the Candace of the situation for a multitude of reasons. Yes, Candace can be annoying. She's loud. She is what it is. But I don't feel like in this situation, Candace did not strike Monique first. Okay. And I feel like from the last two episodes, Candace has been, in the words of Candy, rise above all the drama. I rise above all the drama. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and, and present a counterpoint. So it's not that, well, first of all, I don't condone violence. I don't think they should have fought. But Monique, I mean, like Candace was advancing towards her. She no, already. No. Okay. Wait, hold on. I let you have your, I, I have okay. let you have your little feet now. All right. Thank you. So Candace done waved butter knives in people's faces. Done said, drag me, drag me. And I felt like she was coming towards her. And so I don't think it was right. I don't think Monique should have touched her hair. I don't think she should have hit her. I don't think any of that. But I do think that Candace was provocative in this situation. And Monique should have walked away. Let's be honest. If you felt like you needed to flip somebody's hair or or touch them, you just need to walk away just like you did at the little sipping seat. I agree. If I could rebuttal, there was a table between Monique and Candace. So the notion of Candace walking up on Monique, I just like to throw that out uh, of the court because there was a well, table between them. So, okay. yes. I'm going to say yes, one last yes, sentence. Girl, okay, and I'm girl, say okay that just cut me off. Just I cut will. me off. No problem. So I'll just say clearly that table ain't make too much of a damn difference. Well, and that- you shook the table. So. <laughs> This is what I will say. Was Candace provocative? Does Candace have a mouth? Yes. But did Candace raise a fist? No. And the person that rose a fist the first was Monique. And we see in there that Monique would not let go of her hair. We, and that's not funny, but we see Monique pounding on Candace's head at one point. And, you know, obviously Candace has a, a, a frontal. And for some of my listeners that don't know what a frontal is, it's she has a, we call it a party hat. So it's like, you know, it is a frontal lace. So it gives the illusion of real hair. And so and she probably yeah. has some of yeah. her hair out curled it into it but then the back of her head is probably braided and that unit is oh, no, it's a wig. so it's but a no wig, it's, right? it is a wig but, the, but it's a sold yeah, on but wig the, it. it's def it's a sold on wig where she has like frontal out so oh, she has her real was- hot hair out but that's what I'm saying so uh, you see how hard she was pulling and I, again I am just I, maybe I'm team Candace but baby that's pulling her hair so that was one thing another thing that kind of got me onto the Candace's side was when Monique was mom shaming uh, Candace and, and a part of the argument she was like well you don't have kids so you don't know and so for me being you know this black single queer that I am and a lot of my friends have children and I feel a lot of the time that sometimes I am like parent shamed a little bit when they're like oh you don't understand or like so for me that kind of hit home a little bit more with Candace and I felt like a little bit of Candace like well okay I don't have kids but I can sympathize I can understand I know I get it so I felt Candace and although you know you're saying Candace was being provocative Monique was being very provocative in that statement and knowing that they used to be friends and you know that Candace kind of just struggling with grasping of whether or not she wants kids or not but 
I'll say this, and you know, listen, I'm on a roll to a better Bryce, and I'm a little messy, but Monique, I mean, Candace said, drag me, Monique, drag me, and Monique definitely answered the call, because... I think if she was just like, being like, you know what, you've been asking for this for a while, so let me grant your wish. So I was wetting my whistle while you was going on your mom's shame and rant. Um, and the thing here is, I don't think there's different choices, different voices, so, you know, everybody has their own way of mothering and parenting. There is a very unique set of circumstances that happens when you parent, you know, so you can't understand. You could definitely empathize um, with the parents, but it is very different. That I being mean, said, I, no, 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 that being said, I don't really agree with Candace because Candace was really just mom shaming Ashley. Do you really want to be pregnant? Do you really want to be pregnant? So, I mean, like, I don't think, again, I don't think two wrongs make a right, but I'm right. not that sympathetic over Candace being mom shamed. But you are judging Candace off of a year ago. You're you're bringing up her having the knife in her hand. You're bringing up the, when she was berating Ashley, which was like a season and a half ago. And so, you know, I'm on a roll for a better Bryce and me a year and a half ago, I'm a different person. So for me, when I watch these shows, you know, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Clearly, you well, don't. Well, so my thing is that, no, is that Candace is like, I'm, you know, I, it's not like I'm like, she shouldn't be here. I'm like, okay, she's growing. But in the same way I can accept Candace being, you know, immature, I can accept Monique being at a rough place and under a lot of stress and pressure. No, and, and, and so maybe I haven't made my point clear. Although I am team Candace in this fight, I can put myself in Monique's shoes and I can see myself blacking out as well, too, because you're only going to try me but so many times. And so, I mean, maybe I didn't get that part out. But so I, I, I'm not saying, oh, it was a dog. Oh, sorry. I'm just in my, uh, I'm in my it's, podcast. It's the dog room. is through that, it's I, walking through that. No, house, but it's no? like okay. it was almost like a wolf. That was kind of scary. Oh my god! Sorry, because there's a train track by my house, and um, maybe that was the wolf of Monique trying to come drag yeah! me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, ooh, baby, my heart is beating. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so I just feel like I don't even know what I was saying because that wolf. Or dog. I don't know what that was that I just seen Look behind my house. You thought she had told T'Challa to tell her wolf friend to come get you. <laughs> Baby, it turned into Dr. Doolittle, honey. She became, she was brave as Simone telling the dogs and the animals to come get me. But nevertheless, did. definitely don't want to see them fight. Um, But Bravo covered it well. It was juicy, juicy, juicy. So listen, I want to hear from you, Purple Pants Posse, who you team Candace, you team Monique. Let us know what you think. Also, I thought we had a lot of things going on. Giselle and her three daughters are getting ready to fly to Atlanta because her father of her children, Jamal Bryant, has purchased a restaurant for his daughters to create a family wealth. And Giselle so, is going to... Love this. Okay, so I just want to jump in and talk about the generational wealth. So love so, that Jamal is trying to show generational wealth and leave it child, to Restaurants got a 50-50 chance after the first year, okay? So I... <laughs> Correct. And I feel like he's also trying to, you know, profit a little bit and spin the fact that he has all these children. We're going to come. We're going to well, circle back let, to that. Let's, yeah, let's, let's say that to the end. end. But yeah, here's what I will say. 
you know I'm Team Giselle, and you can gather me at any point that you want. And I'm happy that she wants to be back with her baby father. But there is, and mind you, you know, in her relationship with Sherman, you know, a couple of seasons ago, there was just something different about the relationship with her and Sherman and the relationship with her and Jamal. And the fact that she's scheduling with his personal assistant in previous episodes to meet with him and to, like, get their weekends in sync just leaves a lot for your baby boy's mind to wonder. Um, So I'm going to just leave it at that. I just feel like the relationship is just not as lovey. I don't know. I I just, there there, there just seems to be some mechanical isms about this relationship. But for me, one of the endearing parts of the episode was Giselle and her father, who's from New Orleans, but lives in Atlanta. And she was worried about him finding out she was dating Jamal because he was not happy with Jamal in the past. And it was really just endearing for me to just see a black father on TV, no matter how old his daughter is, still being like that's daddy's girl and her still seeking his approval. I don't know, gave me a little warm and fuzzy a little bit. Did you, what did you think? I thought that it was great um, that her dad cared and was very passionate. Um, I was surprised that her dad even really said that he would be at the second wedding, considering he wasn't at the first. Um, And at the end, he talked about his two reservations that he had um, with Giselle getting back with her, her boo. So I was glad to see daddy coming in there with the voice of reason and hopefully maybe even the hand of God to help her get her to where she needs to be because yes. I'm I'm a I'm a no take back kind of girl. Like once we done, we done. We're gonna be the best of friends and that's it. I mean, I would like to think because you know I live in a fantasy world in my head and my relationships and I'm always like, you know, it's better to have loved and to have lost than never loved at all. And if it's true love, it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. So that you know I'm mm-hmm. st- I'm still on lifetime movie Bryce. So in mm-hmm. my head, I want to be happy for Giselle. But we'll put Miss Bryant on pause for now and we'll get to babe zip it, lock it, and put it in your pocket, Ashley and her husband. So yeah, so Ashley in the aftermath of the situation that her husband was in when he was in a hotel getting photographed in his drawers, and they had a conversation. But he didn't do nothing with her. He yeah. didn't do nothing with the lady. He, he just was so yeah. drunk when he got into the hotel room, uh, mm-hmm. he just passed out. And then in the morning when he got up, she took the photo. But let me just also say something real quick. That Ray, Karen's husband, alleged to some things in this episode that I didn't even think about. Uh, that really, I was just like, ooh, Ray is trying, Michael. But I'll let you give your take and then I'll tell you like how I thought Ray was trying, Michael. So I thought it was a totally great move that Hassie brought up the post nut. Okay. Um, so love a prenup, love a post-nup even more. Um, because that is when you get them, when they want to stay married. Now it's your turn and you're in the power move. And so she conveniently said, okay, well, what am I going to get if you fuck up? So I can just have it in hand and I ain't got to even worry about that. So great move by her. Um, I, you know, think she wants this marriage to work out, but I mean, she's preparing for the worst. I mean, look, I think she got realistic expectations and clearly if they got the door open wide, shut, whatever, then she knows that there's some room for, you know, mishap and clearly mishaps have, have, have happened. Mishaps right. have happened. So go ahead. <laughs> mishaps. Him mishaps and her mishaps. And I and all of yeah. those pronouns are specifically for Michael. Uh, but <laughs> I <laughs> catch that. Um, I questioned 
her validity of this relationship two and a half seasons ago when they were talking about the prenup and he got so upset about it and all of that stuff. And I was just like, oh, okay. Or when they were renegotiating the prenup that if she were to stay in this relationship for five years and it was even a question at that point to Michael that she really wanted to be in this relationship. So that for me was just like, mm, that's interesting because if I'm if I'm in love with my mans, we ain't even worrying about all of that. So that gave me my first pause. Then I feel like in my mind, Ashley, because then these allegations of Michael being on Grinder, photos of him being on Grinder, you know, the other cast hearing him talking about wanting to give fellatio to another man and sausages. Then even on this season, baby, the strippers are have everything that Candace's friend has said thus far. It is it's just a big dog. Oh my God. Like it's like Beethoven is on these tracks behind my house and I don't see no owner. He just literally like I'm in my window. I know this is so random. Sorry, Purple Pants Podcast. But I'm literally in my window just looking at the tracks and this dog or Beethoven just walked by my window and we made eye contact <laughs> and then just kept going on his way and I'm all like well where is the like but anyway okay I'm gonna need to bring back okay. all right sorry uh so then we you renegotiate for five years and I'm feeling like okay Ashley now at this point you just want and I, I know friends like this that want children but maybe don't want to be like don't have a relationship but now I feel like in Ashley's mind she's like I want children I want them to have the same father and although we might not be together I want him for for him to be wealthy and to be able to take care of my children for the rest of their life and I feel like that's what we have here with Ashley Ashley's like okay I'm married to him I might as well have these kids with him I can get that out the way and then I can I can Sierra my way into a Russell Wilson and that's really what I feel like Ashley is doing because for her to have this post nut to like say, listen, this is what will happen if you cheat again. This is what I will leave with when you already extended the prenup for five years to like count your validity. Like, I don't know. And then the news has just coming out that you and Michael are expecting your second bundle of joy. Yes, I was just about to put that in if you didn't know that. So, um... So that's very interesting. I mean, like, I think she made the best of it. I don't know. Like, I can't, I can't tell you what her, her mindset is. Wouldn't be the worst strategy. I, I mean, I'm not mad at it, but it just is like, and then a lot of the times for me, it's when like, I feel like Ashley and Michael's relationship is the only relationship throughout, historically throughout the Real Housewives of Potomac that they are constantly breaking the fourth wall. Like Michael is always screaming at a producer. I remember that like the first well, season when they was like, there. I mean, well, I mean, I know. And it's like, you know, they were the first and by there, out. I mean, in the marriage and all Yeah, well, listen. He's doing it to keep his wife happy. So it will just be interesting to see how their relationship continues to unfold. And then we've got the grand dame herself, Ray, her, Miss Karen, and Ray. And they are delivering that heat and that smoke to the point where, you know, Karen has been open all season about her and Ray's love tank is empty. We got her in the kitchen cooking. And I don't know, for me, when I watch Karen and Ray, I kind of see like glimpses of like my mom and her husband's relationship. Like, do you see like your mom and dad in their relationship at all? No. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, no. But I mean, I'm not saying everything, but I just I, I don't know. I just see them as like an older black couple. And I don't know, but it, it is interesting. And I think that Karen being somewhat... I, I have a love-hate relationship with the Grand Dom a lot of the time. But I would have to say, I with like this her. episode, you said you like her, you don't. I like her. Yeah, I like Karen. Although sometimes I'm on I'm on opposite sides with Karen. But I felt like 
you know, she cooked Ray dinner for his birthday. She wanted to like kind of go out of her way. And then she invited a counselor over to help kind of like, you know, they do pillow talk, but to really talk about their love language. And I felt like I'll give both of Karen and uh, I'm about to say Uncle Phil. Uh, Ray. What's his name? Ray. Okay. And you were trying to say Uncle Ben and be messy like your friend Giselle. No, no, I really wasn't. I really wasn't. I, I, I really went for a blank. What I will say is that I respected their honesty. Although I didn't feel like Karen was being honest. I felt like Karen was being TV Karen. And I felt like Ray was being real Ray. Because at one point in time, the counselor asked them, are you still in love with your partner? And Karen's like, yes, I am. And she's like, well, how do you know? And Karen's like, well, I couldn't think of a day uh, without thinking about you. And I, I, I felt like Ray had the perfect response to that TV line. Because he came back and was like, well, I mean, it, it's not a day I don't think about you either. <laughs> but So, I don't know. I really felt like she was being very honest, especially when he had his response. And she was like, I felt like I got punched in the gut. And I was like, mm-hmm. he, because that was a true reaction. And it's not a lot of times on The Real Housewives that people actually get a true answer, a true response, and truly respond to that. Um, so usually it's like somebody going off on each other and over the top. But I felt like those were true emotions. Like that's the kind of uh, conversations that go on between husbands and wives. Like it's not all pretty picture and you know, we all glammed up. Sometimes it's like, you know, you get on my motherfucking nerves. Oh. Just saying. I love you, yeah. and, but right now you just saved my career right now. So, I mean, I think those that that's the truth and people need to see what really goes in the marriage because it's not all parties and, and, you know, everything great. I mean, well, don't be marriage shaming too, girl, now, yeah! okay? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it cute. Uh, but, this is what I will say is that I feel like, you know, the the therapist asked Ray, is he still in love with Karen? And he said, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. And that was really the gut punch to Karen. And I feel like, you know, they've been in a marriage for a long time. And even if the therapist said something to the effect of that sometimes people fall into the trap of becoming roommates and fall out of love. And we know if Karen and Ray, there's like a 15 year difference between them, if not larger. Um, And I believe that Ray was maybe like three years younger than Karen's father. So there's also that plays a lot into it. But I just also kind of just felt Karen a little bit when after the therapist left, and mind you, Karen quickly escorted the therapist out. And then you know what's getting real when Karen took her shoes off and was like, I'm not saying that I'm upset with your statement, but I don't have to agree with it or like it. No, she it. said, I don't have to like it. Thank you. And um, I did notice that when she kicked off her shoes, those were Manolo's. Hello. Oh, yes. You know the ground doesn't play. <laughs> So I, I, I kind of like, you know, I got Karen's, I, I was on Karen's side a little bit and definitely has sympathy for her because when you're in a relationship for a long time, although I'm not married and nor have I had a 20 year relationship, how could I have a 20 year relationship when I'm only 20? But I haven't had a relationship, like a long-term relationship like that. But I can see I've had friendships and I know that there are peaks and valleys and friendships. And I can imagine how frustrating that is if you have married someone you've made them your life partner and they're saying they don't not quite sure if they love you so i was definitely feeling karen um and so if we if we had had not enough of this episode of real housewives of potomac baby started off with fight okay then giselle's chillings are owners of a restaurant then we got 
zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, Ashley. Then we dealing with Karen and Paul, Paul, Ray, bang, hey. bang. Giselle's daddy, okay? Steal all the D. The all show. the D. Steals the show. So let's set it up for you, Purple Pants Posse. So, but real quick, like, so let me just talk to you real quick to see it. So when Jamal and her dad were having that conversation at the table before he got up, did you, were you feeling like, I felt like I've seen a conversation like this a thousand times in my family. I'm like, ooh, the energy is definitely off. Well, see, this this goes back to even before they got in the restaurant, because like when she was asked in her interview about his other children. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't think it's just her children with him that own the restaurant. I think it's all the children. Well, why weren't all the children there then? I think they were. I just don't think they were on camera. I mean, so listen, you know me. I follow my social media, the housewives of, you know, their shows. And a couple of months ago when this actually happened, I mean, I I watched pretty extensive footage of it. I didn't see any of his other children, but I'm not mad. Okay, well, first of all, if if it's only her children, then that's a problem. Because you don't want to generate... Why why can't he buy different businesses for his other children? Like, what if... Like, I don't see necessarily distinguishing uh, from each of his own families and different things, so I don't, I don't necessarily think we shouldn't jump down his throat for saying like, no, 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 and uh, and that and that's fine, but I'm just saying like, you don't pick and choose your generational wealth, you know. You, well, you I mean, pick, but we don't know. He he, he could have had you, other you business. Correct. You are correct. He could have had other businesses for his other kids. This is we we only see Giselle's story. However, when some of the producers asked about the other children, Miss Mama's Miss Giselle Bryan shut that down very quickly. And they were like, How many other children does Jamal have? And Giselle was like, Out of respect for the children and their mothers, I'm not going to do that. I said, Oh, okay, is that now is that the anointed thing talking? So I actually think that was the right thing to do because No, I definitely I definitely think it was the right thing to do. However, baby, you can tell it hit a nerve. Yes, it did. Agreed. So, for sure. So, we have Giselle talking to her father before the opening. And, you know, he's giving daddy-o, saying, I support you. If it makes you happy, I love you, girl. And it came to the restaurant opening. And you could just see the awkwardness in Mm -hmm. uh, Giselle's dad. And it kind of sort of reminded me of, like, my mom's husband, John. Because I've been in situations where John isn't too happy or friendly. And they do the the fake nice thing. You know, my mom can do that really well, too. So that's really what I saw. Like, I I had just seen these reactions before. And so when Giselle and the girls and Jamal sat down at the table, Giselle was like to Bryant, to Jamal, like, my dad's really excited and happy for us. And Jamal was like, I'm I'm so happy for that. And it was just in Giselle. Giselle's dad's like, mm-hmm, yep. uh-huh. and if, if you guys are happy, I am happy. I was like, ooh, child. Like and then he after was really that, trying to put in a good, a good face for the children. Right. And then after that, when he was like, let me go and go to the bathroom. And I was like, ooh. And when he got in that bathroom, this is where Bravo is shady. You go ahead and tell it to see it so I don't be taking all of the things. You go ahead so and tell it. So basically, he was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and get on out of here. And like, it wasn't clear if he said he was going to the bathroom and coming back or if he said I'm about to leave. Right. Or like, he was, was really like, just saying bye. Right. Like, I'm like, hmm, that was weird. And so then you see him go off camera. And you just hear audio. He's like, yeah, I'm done with this. He's like, I'm done with this. And he wants 
to be d mike So for the second time in the episode, we get a, a forced d mike gang, which you know, baby, is going down if you didn't d mike So basically, he's like, yeah, this isn't something she should do. I, you know, he doesn't want to support it. And then this is the key of the motherfucking episode. He says... Who drop it? You know he got about six, seven baby mamas, and I was he like, he said seven, eight. Okay, I saw seven. six, seven. But I might have to rewind that. But anyway, he got about seven, approximately seven baby mamas, mm. and I was like, damn, Ooh, child, was, Giselle. Yeah, that's a lot of baby mamas to deal with. That's too much. Yeah, Miss Mamas, it's 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 a, it's the, it's the seven baby mamas for me. Oh. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no, and now it makes more sense as to why Karen and Monique in their confessionals are being so jaded to Giselle her getting back with Jamal. And you know, at the start of the season, there was another woman in the congregation that came forward and said that she was allegedly having Giselle, a, a baby by Giselle Bryant. And I'm talking within like the last four months. Jamal Bryant, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Jo- I was just researching. So, I mean, this is the thing. Like I said, especially in a situation like this, I think they should be great friends, but I don't think they should get married again. And from the stuff that I see, like her quote, she's, you know, all in, um, which I guess clearly whatever worked the first time is working this time, too. And I, I understand that you want to be with the father of your children, but sometimes God, it ain't meant to be. Yeah, no, this is where we need Robin to have an intervention to like, nope, girl, that, yeah, seven. Mm, that's that's a lot. And. To know that then she spilled tea that when they were engaged, they kind of had to break up a little bit because he was making children then. Yeah, to the point so much so that daddy her didn't come father. Daddy so did that not was come to the wedding. Yeah, so that, yeah. And that was a lie because, I mean, he, you can see that he's talking about walking her down the aisle and stuff like that. So I think that was a big a demonstration on his part not to go to their wedding so absolutely and you can tell it's something like when your parents are like want to agree with you but then when he's actually like in the face of this man who's broke his daughter's heart and has seven baby moms papa said no papa don't preach i'm in trouble <laughs> i think i love i forgot how that song go but i'm singing the kelly osborne version but needless to say this episode of real housewives of potomac was jumping woo shoe leg yes and on the next episode, you want to recap and see what's coming up for the next episode? What's, what what, talk what's about? going on? Because child, after the episode, and I turned it off. So tell me to see what's what's happening next week. And so more on the site. It's basically Monique is gathering the girls up with the help of the grand dame. And she just wants to talk about and, you know, try to clear the air about the fight. And it's very interesting because she gets there and she kind of get a little buck again. Um, not to the point where she's going to fight, but she's not remorseful. And the other girls are like, yeah, we understand, you know, you're not remorseful and that's the problem. And so I think, you know, everybody is going to basically have this talk with her like, this is not the kind of women we want to be. And if you feel like you got to put hands on people, then maybe you need to find a new group. So it's going to be very emotionally charged. And I think that Monique is going to understand how the stress is affecting her and her relationships and her family. So, uh, and I think she needs that, even though I am totally team Monique. Um, I think she, you know, just needs a sort of a recalibration and reality check. So seems like she's going to get it. Hopefully so. Well, listen, in two weeks, Purple Pants Posse, we will have Jatia back to recap the last two episodes. Jatia, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining. Yes, this was a heavy episode. Thanks for having me on. 
keeping the menu rolling, I wanted to share a documentary that I watched this weekend that I had no plans on watching Um, when I was getting ready on Saturday for the Purple Pants Picks. I had tweeted it. I don't normally tweet it, but I'm like, you know what? Let me just send my energy in other places and see what else is popping. One of the Purple Pants Posse members, Miss Tara Combs, right? Have you watched This Is Paris yet? If not, I highly recommend it. Now, when she said that, I'm like, okay, you know, I love documentaries. Haven't traveled out the country in a while, so let me see where it's at. Went to Netflix. Wasn't on Netflix. Had to tweet back and say, well, where can I watch it at? And so then they said, go to the YouTube, baby boy. So I went to the YouTube and, you know, I'd be forgetting I have a smart TV. So I plugged it up in my smart TV and the documentary was on Paris Hilton. So I have a love-hate relationship with Paris Hilton. Now, before, before, listen, 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 follow me, Purple Pants Posse, because I'm sure some of my Purple Pants Posse is rolling their eyes like, I don't want to hear about no Paris Hilton, Bryce. You know, she's a rich socialite. Now, mind you, that's my love and hate relationship with Paris. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial black queer, and I fell in love with Paris and Nicole Richie on The Simple Life back in the day. Now, mind you, I ain't watch all of the episodes, but I fell in love. Like, you know, I thought it was so funny. You know, back in the day, I used to do my... That's hot. You know, that's hot. Okay. That used to be, listen, that's hot. That used to be my tagline. Okay. And, um, you know, random now. First of all, I'm talking about Paris Hilton. Now I'm about to go somewhere else. Another one of my taglines back in the day was, uh, Miss Anna Nicole. Okay. I, <laughs> don't ask me why, but I used to walk around the house and be like, trim spa, baby. Okay. My mom would be like, what? the hell are you talking about but i loved me paris hilton and i feel like she was a an i don't, I don't want to say entrepreneur but she was a leader in this social media era in this paparazzi era in this selfie era in this whole influencer era she was like and they even talk about it in the documentary miss mamas was the archetype for it and so I know that a lot of what we know about Paris is through, you know, the tabloids, her getting arrested for a DUI, her in these crazy relationships and just like living her life on the front page. And so for me, I always I liked Paris. I liked, you know, mind you, I, I got about five of her perfumes. So uh, there was always something that I liked about Paris, but I never could relate to her in the sense that she's an heiress. Her great-grandfather owned and created the Hilton brand. So she got buku, a buku of money. And here I am with $5, you know, trying to make it to October and, you know, still live my life. So there were always a disconnect, but I always felt that there was something about Paris that I liked. Um, And so when my girl Tara Combs told me to watch this documentary and I found out it was about Paris Hilton, I'm like, now what is this going to be about? Like, is this going to be... Just showing her with her wealth of money because I don't need to see that. But I think that the most that I got out from this documentary was that one, you know, that that's hot. And this persona that Paris puts up, you know, she really tackles it in the first five minutes of the series as that's a character. That's not her. And she even talks about like, you know, sometimes I forget what my real voice is. And she uses this character to project, as she says, like what her she wants her followers and what she wants her life to be like this perfect image however she is aware that her life is not perfect and so some people might be like oh that's so fake but what I really got out of it was that she uses that to protect herself and that really kind of rung home for me because I feel like I do that a lot in my life and I I, I project this image of baby boy I'm great and I mean I do a good job of being you know transparent as 
saying like with the times that I'm not great or what I'm going through. But I, I, I just was able to relate to like, you know, painting a face on to the public that essentially protects you. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a little more vulnerable than Paris Hilton. Um, I'm a lot more poor than her. But for her, that was a way of protection. And so throughout the documentary, and mind you, this won't be a long breakdown of it, but I really do encourage you guys to watch it because I thought the the documentary was going to end up one way. And then I ended up having to put my social work hat on because a lot of what Paris Hilton talked about towards the end of the documentary are some of the things that I actually, as a social worker, fought for. Um, And it really was just so interesting. So again, the documentary just alludes to her life, how busy she is and how that, you know, she set a goal for herself of wanting to be a, a billionaire and how she is. She stepped away from reality TV to focus on her business. Another thing that I'm like, OK, girl, I'm here for that. Like, I, show me the way, because for me and myself, I want to step away from, you know, my full time job and I want to pour into myself. I want to become uh, a mogul of my own. And so in in many ways, that was inspirational to me as well. Um, However, Paris goes into her documentary about like how her work schedule. And then she also talks about how she is an insomniac. And, you know, all throughout the the documentary, which was a little annoying to me, I will say, is that she kept alluding to these dreams that she would have from this trauma. Now, my thing is, well, girl, talk about it. girl. Like, you know, but I almost felt like it was an episode of The Housewives where, you know, they will say, ooh, a fight is happening. But baby, the last three minutes is when you actually see the fight and it's to be continued. So that was a little bit of the documentary, but I really feel like the documentary was setting us up to kind of get the life of where Paris is now. And so she illuminates to this trauma and illuminates to the fact that she's an insomniac. She doesn't sleep. And this was another thing in this documentary that really kind of hit for me. And I'm just curious if any of my other Purple Pants Posse members experience this, but since COVID, since quarantining, since, you know, the world just changed and baby with child, we, uh, listen, I, I, we don't even know what's happening in November. Just since a lot of that has happened and I've spent more time at home working from home, I have noticed that my sleeping patterns are so chaotic that I am, I stay up late at night because normally if I had to go to work, I would be like, all right, I have to leave out of the house at this certain time. So I need to make sure that I am in the bed together. But now being as though I primarily work from home, I'm like, I can stay up as late as I want because all I got to do is roll out the bed. But I feel like that is just kind of turning into something else where I can try to go to sleep at maybe 12, one o'clock in the morning. And then I'm waking up at 3 a.m. And then I am literally up at 3 a.m. until, you know, maybe if my alarm clock goes off at 7.30, I'll fall asleep at 7. And my alarm clock will go off at 7.30 and I will be like so tired. And now I am yearning for my coffee to get me up. So I just thought that was interesting that she was illuminating to the fact that she has sleep problems because I'm like, well, so do I. However, she illuminates the sleep, her sleep issue from this trauma, this trauma that she's talking about all throughout the documentary series. But before we get into the trauma, because that's really where I want to spend some of my talking about some of my social work experiences. Um, we just really got to see Paris in just a lot of ways that we have not gotten to see her. And I really feel like it humanized her. And I almost was getting like Michael Jackson vibes from her in the sense of, you know how with Michael Jackson, he always was this child at heart. He had never, never land and like, you know, questionable things that have happened there because I did watch the Michael Jackson documentary and I am indifferent about it. I don't know. I don't know. 
Hard to believe what has happened, what has not happened. However, I do believe in abusers coming forward and telling their story. However, I don't necessarily believe when, I, I mean, it was, listen, we want to just have to talk about Never Neverland, another topic, because that, that's just a whole complexity for me. However, the, the comparison that I wanted to draw with Paris and Michael was that, and mind you, I think, uh, random, Michael got a daughter named Paris too. But anyway, was that Paris is in this, she alludes to the fact that she's forever this 15-year-old. And that's why, you know, that's hot and that, you know, she wants to stay young forever. And it, that that just also was interesting for me as well, too, because I'm like, well, baby boy, ain't you the one to say you in your late 20s, the early 30s? Like, you know, I'm like, oh, child. I'm like, that's not hot, baby boy. Like, just, there were just a lot of, like, common, common, common... <laughs> I want to so my mind wants to say commonarity, but I know that's not correct. Commonalities. Okay, come on, get yourself together. And mind you, if Wendell were here, he'd be punching me because Wendell be getting me together on my vernacular. Uh, and again, with my vernacular, I really feel as though now y'all like, Bryce, we was just talking about Paris. Then we talk about Michael Jackson. Now we're talking about your vernacular. Well, listen, this is the Purple Pants Podcast, so go with me. But I will say that, you know, Wendell has been getting on me with some of the things and how I talk and it's like, no, that's not correct. Get it together. And you need to get it together. However, I feel like I speak very fast because in my mind, right? If y'all think I talk fast in my mind, times it by 13. So that's how fast I feel like in my mind, so many things go. And so I just spit out what I say. And so sometimes that's why I don't be making sense because literally like I'm trying to connect from what my brain is saying into my mouth. And so again, what a good friend of mine, when DZ is saying, bitch, just slow down just a little bit and just think 2.3 seconds before it come out so that you actually can say what it is that you mean. So anyway, that's just a little tab bit of a tab bit. So I've been trying to catch myself. Um, but it just really humanized Paris for us. And I feel like we don't normally humanize celebrities. We are very much of a culture that we love to build them up. And break them down and build them back up. We don't give them much grace. You know, they've got to be perfect. And, you know, if they're not perfect, then we tear them up. So it really humanized Paris for me. And I had texted a couple of people. I was like, oh, you should watch this. They was like, well, I don't really like Paris. I'm like, well, I don't think that you should watch it in that lens. You should watch it as just you seeing someone that is essentially in this documentary revealing her truth. And there's just something for me about people revealing their truth and opening up that vulnerability side. Because for me, I'm a Pisces. I'm a water sign. That is where I... I seem to 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 live and to dwell and that's how I connect with people in real life things and so it just really showed us how she is forever this child she's got this weight of this empire behind us for her to live up to something she made a lot of mistakes in her earlier years and now has tried to pull away from the spotlight and really focus on her brand and another thing that she said in the documentary that I was like okay girl was that she feels as though she comes alive in the nighttime. And I'm like, hmm. And so sometimes her going out and going to parties and just like dancing is in but so many ways a form of therapy for her. And that was another thing that I'm like, damn, Paris, I relate to that as well, too. I feel like and again, I at a young age was going out to clubs and being places that I probably had no business at 15, 16, 17, getting into like in, in Philadelphia, uh, there is a gay scene. And I've talked about this before. The gay scene is like, you know, predominantly for like white 
gay cisgender uh men and so philadelphia does not necessarily have a a black established gay culture uh, or gay scene however there is a black gay scene and it's more so underground and it's so you know and that's where uh, if any of you familiar with like the ballroom scene with any houses and a lot of drug a lot just just uh there are a lot of negative condensations with it but there are also a lot of positive things and so at the early age of like 15 and 16 i was like sneaking out of my house me and my cousin butter and we were going Going to these like parties and just like and so it was really a sense of me discovering who I am or what I did not want to be like because for me going to those parties and at that time in my life 16 and 17 like I had two cousins that were gay butter and Samir and we really uh thank god I had them because outside of them I did not have an identity of like what uh, a young queer person is or was and so us sneaking out going to those parties um and events at 15 or 16 when i was supposed to be in sleep and mind you i used to lie and tell my mom and say oh me and butter are going to church and so butter like butter out of all three of us he got his license no my cousin samir had his license first then me but then butter had a car first so butter would come and pick us up and we would say we're going to bible study oh my god i know barbara's gonna listen to this and be like i knew it but anyway, um, for us going to these scenes, it was like never in my life had I ever been in. And mind you, they were like at, at speakeasies. And I don't if, if any of you guys familiar with what speakeasy is. It's basically like a house that turns into a club at night. And so we'd be in a heart of North Philly going to sneaking into these speakeasies. And essentially would be like a house. But the basement was a, a club and they had like a, the kitchen was a bar. But for me, the most that I got out of that experience was, oh, my God, I've never been around 50 young queer people trans people that are black that look like me that like the same music i had never experienced that and so for us it was like we were addicted to it we wanted this camaraderie we wanted this like you know we wanted this this feeling of acceptance and so when paris talks about how she feels as though she comes alive in the nighttime and sneaking away to these clubs was a way for her to escape i'm like i know exactly what you mean so I really encourage you guys to watch this documentary. It just, for me, it illuminated a lot. And I feel like for us millennials who grew up on watching Paris and, you know, the Kim Kardashians and, you know, the, the earlier days, not what it is today before the Instagram and all of that, even though I'm not that old. Okay. Um, it, it just really, I think there are a lot of commonalities to us and some of the things like, you know, taking selfies and just being all of that stuff. However, Paris then illuminated to when she, her and her sister, they moved to New York for school. And while she was at school, and child, if you rich, you're a, a Caucasian female, there's a sense of privilege that can kind of come with it. And she basically was 15, but living like a 30-year-old because she was privileged, she was Caucasian, and she was white, so she could do what she wanted. And she found herself getting into these clubs and sneaking out, and, you know, she would be on page six, and her family was really, really concerned for her. And so with that... Her families do what most families do. They seek intervention. And, and, you know, because they were wealthy and had money, they sent Paris to this Provo Canyon school. Now, this is where my social work school comes in at because, you know, for the last eight and a half years, I had been a social worker for child and welfare. And I specifically worked in the ungovernable unit, uh, the unit in which that children were uncorrigible. They weren't going to school. They were in drug and alcohol. They are possibly in gangs and families. Um, a lot of the times in my social work realm, and especially with the, in the, the realm that I worked in, a lot of the times, well, maybe like 90% of the times, our services were not 
people didn't ask for them. We got court ordered. Someone made a report, an allegation, and we had to investigate. And the specific unit that I worked in, uh, which we called the ungovernable unit, these were actually parents reaching out saying, I don't know what to do with my child. I don't know what to do. I need help. And so we would offer a number of different services, you know, offer in-home counseling, family counseling. We would offer programs to keep the children engaged with inside of school, outside of school. We would do home visits. We would offer mentoring programs. And our last program that we would have to resort to would be placement. And so there were different type of placements that we could uh, choose the kids to go to. One would be a therapeutic type of placement where they are really kind of you know, keep think of like hospitalization, you know, if they need to stabilize them, if they are, you know, making threat, being threatening to others or themselves. Um, So it, there really were just two type of placements, a therapeutic placement or a behavioral placement. And a lot of the times would have to send them to these behavioral schools. And for me, it sounds like the Provo school that Paris is talking about in her documentary. Now, the Provo school is for profit. So they are a, it was different than some of the programs that we sent to because our, the programs that we would send our kids to, like the parents wouldn't have to pay. Like for Paris, it was her parents found the school, they paid and they dragged Paris out of her house. Now that would happen in, in some of the instances. However, uh, for me, I always found some of these schools problematic. And in our area, we would send kids to a number of different schools that the parents did not have to pay for. I always felt problematic about sending our kids to these behavioral schools. Now, as a social Social worker, I would have to do monthly, depending on how far the school was. If the school was super far, we would do a quarterly visits like every three months. Um, if they were somewhat within like a three hour radius, if they were farther than three hours, it would be every six months. Um, and so sometimes, you know, and me as a social worker, I always try to get a personal rapport with the relationships. And for me, it was always like the young African-American kids that I could really connect with and the young African-American males. And so we would have these kids that are, you know, no father just in these streets. And here is this openly gay social worker coming. And at first they always, their initial reaction to me was, would be like, well, we'll see. But after a while, they would start to see that like, oh, he really serious. And so I will never forget there was this one program that we used that I never sent kids to because I just always felt problematic. It's called the Glenn Mills School. Um, And that let me just say by the Glenn Mills School is now permanently shut down. And it was a school that's in our area and, you know, this area of Pennsylvania, probably for about 20 years, 30 years at a football team. And it was an all male school. And they, you know, they were and at times considered a hands-on school. Now, for the kids that we placed in the school, because we were a child welfare agency, uh, the kids that we specifically were sent there, they could not participate in the hands-on school. However, uh, probation and juvenile probation that sent the kids there, they could uh, have the children in the hands-on program now and yes, physically hands-on like they would they could actually physically restrain the children. Now, the definition of restraint is different for others. So I always felt very problematic about the Glen Mills school. And so I remember that I, I, I personally never sent any kids to Glen Mills because I just I, I would always like the therapeutic and community based programs where it removes them from their home and maybe a little bit farther away. But it's still in the community. They have the option of getting a job. They can go to school um, and, and that type of realm. That's the, the avenue that I really kind of worked in. But I absorbed this case of this young man who was at the Glen Mills school and I had never been to the Glen Mills school. School. I always heard 
heard about it. So I had to like drive up to the Glen Mill School and the the procedures of the Glen Mill School were just very problematic. Now for us as social workers that are trained and, you know, I'm in the child welfare industry at that time, we always have to, we would have to go to the homes. If the kids were in the home, we have to meet with the parents and we would have to meet with the children individually. Now, obviously some social workers that are new to this are, you can't go into a home and say, I actually need to talk to your kid privately about you. Most parents would be like, "Uh uh-uh, oh no, no. For me, it's a delicate way of how you do it. So a lot of the times, some of my methods would be like, I always talk about, oh, what y'all eat for dinner? Or like, you know, what you do? Or I would ask the parent like, oh, okay. Or I would just have a human conversation with the parent. And I, I always like, oh, uh, I like the way your clothes smell. Do you use like, what uh detergent do you use? And they'd be like, oh, I use downy. I'm like, oh, but what, what scent is that? Because I really like that. And they would like, oh, let me go get it. And then that would give me time to then have conversations with the children alone. And just like, you know, just ask a couple of questions. And sometimes if I were to see that there needs to be a further conversation. All right, I'm going to end the visit, guys. But hey, can you come out with my car with me? I actually brought some stuff from the office they give to your mom. So just creating these natural boundaries that I can actually have private conversations to allow the children to speak one-on-one by themselves. Um, or if I felt uncomfortable, I would just go to the school. You know, I would go to the school and pull the kids out of class and, and meet with them there. Um, So we're always trained to have one-on-one conversations with the children. However, at Glen Mills, um, it's a huge campus, multi-million dollars. They had an automobile shop. They got a dentist school, just so much. But you would go into this, you would check in. They would then send you to this hall where then the child would get escorted to you with staff. And the staff would sit there with you while you meet with the child. You don't really get to take a tour to school. Like you have to schedule for a tour. You can't really see where they are sleeping. And again, if we are in the community with the children, we need to see where they sleep. We need to see like, you know, so the the restrictions that Glenn Mills placed were always very questionable to me. So I got this young teenager um, and who I would actually have to say is still in my life. Um, He is no longer in our custody. He's an adult now. But for me, that's like my little cousin. And, and I still stay in contact with him. And he listens to the podcast and he's always like, I want to come on the podcast. I want to come on the podcast. And I'm like, well, you absolutely can. So I think maybe in the future, I will have him come on to just tell his story of like, you know, whatever. Um, And, and, and what sometimes positive connections can mean. So anyway, it just was so problematic for me. And for first of all, when I I'm a social worker. I always looked at it like these children, these children are mine. And I would always go into parent mode. So if I would be like, can I have a moment to talk with this child with me? And they would say no. I would then obviously have to get creative. Like, oh, okay. Well, actually, I brought books for him. So he needs to come to my car with me. So I would always just try to create these gaps. And then this child at some point um, was eligible for home visits and the the program will be like oh we'll take them to the home uh, program and pick them up you know for me i'm i was i'm very involved so that's fine actually you can pick them up on sunday because baby boy don't work on sundays but on friday i'll actually pick them up from the school and then i'll actually take them to his home visit and actually i can have my own one-on-one talk so anyway he was just always illuminating to like the fact that he never was like abused there but their hands-on program was like really hands-on and sometimes like it wasn't even for reasonable things and so i i never liked the glenn mills program and i am no longer uh with the my agency that i was with there before but i have now since learned that the glenn mills school is shut down permanently for investigations and so these things really happen and so it it it, it just really illuminated to paris hilton talking about this provo school where they literally got her from her she was at home one night sleeping. They came in, dragged her from her bed. She didn't know what was happening. So traumatic. And then like they're putting her in a van and she just sees her parents literally at 
the door crying and they she would get up to this facility and a lot of our facilities would be outside of the city three four hours in a, like the Poconos the wooded area and she just alleged that there were possibly like sexual abuse definitely mental abuse and physical abuse and that like if they didn't comply with the program they would put them in solitary confinement we know that in solitary confinement even in our jails that it deteriorates our mental health and just you know can break a person and so she actually is saying that she still suffers from nightmares every time that she goes to sleep she envisions these two men coming in dragging her out of her bed and this is something that is still living with her today and she is like using this documentary to speak out about it and she never wanted to speak out about it before because she felt like it was not in line with her brand however as she is growing and evolving and realizing how she's may not be alone and there are many of kids that went to these provost schools or many of kids that were removed from their home you know maybe due to their behavior and placed into these behavioral programs that are meant to help get children better or is it meant to help to streamline them to these profits jails and prison system that we have and that she really is speaking out and using her influence to talk about it and so it just really opened up a lot of doors for not doors but I was just like wow like this is so crazy and this is instantaneously when the first time I ever went to this program called Glenn Mills. That's what I got from it. I mean, I spoke out about it. I said it's my agency and they're like, well, if they're not saying that, like, you know, it was just always this red tape. Um, And then to find out after I'm no longer with the agency that we no longer, no one places children at that program because of all of the things that have happened. Now, Google Glenn Mills and look up it up and see. But they were always known as this prestigious all boys academy. They've got a great football team and all of this. But meanwhile, like you just never know. And so it's just important to, again, sometimes children are acting out uh for a number of different reasons. And, you know, we have to listen. And that was one of the, the skills that I I always used when I was working with teenagers is that like I just want to hear your story like I don't I, I'm not going to judge you how can I judge you I'm this openly gay black man that bitch I'm already judged so I you you're, I can't judge you and so I that that was always my approach was like vulnerability and to listen and I, I could get through to a lot of these kids and some kids they were too far gone that I, I could not and I, I would have to you know do my due diligence to try to get them but there I just always allowed myself to be a vessel for them to listen and so for this actual young, specific young man that I'm speaking about, I would really love to get him on the podcast for you to just hear that experience. But, and it just was just so eye-opening that of uh, my girl, that's hot. And you know, you Paris Hilton, you think of all of the glitz and glamour, you think of her just going to these parties, but to know that it's, it's an act and it's a real person behind it was really thought-provoking for me. Um, And it just, again, put my social work head on. So I really encourage you guys to check out This Is Paris and shout out to my girl, Miss Combs, for telling me to watch it because I really got something out of it. So I love to hear your thoughts. Please, you know, the DMs, stay open, the tweet me, let me know. But definitely check out This Is Paris. It's really good and thought-provoking. And for parents that are dealing with children that are feeling like they are out of control and maybe sometimes you as a parent can't deal with it but utilize your natural supports you got a cousin you got an uncle maybe somebody that they can get through sometimes it's a connection sometimes they're not feeling like they are listening you as a parent might be like well i'm listening but sometimes you just as the parent the kid at that stage in life they just don't want to hear that from you so we just need to make sure that we are opening the avenues that children are feeling heard and that they have a safe place that they can talk to somebody and like you know maybe even cuss and like you know but just someone that actually can listen to them and someone that they can look up to because role models are huge and especially in our black community especially with our black males we don't have uh, a lot of the times they don't have positive males in their life you know this hmm, I can I can just go a lot of different places but it's just 
Sometimes they, they need positive influences and not just for black African-American males, for all teenagers, for everyone. Everyone needs someone to listen to. So I just thought this documentary was so amazing. Please check it out and let me know what you think. Now, let's keep this podcast rolling. And keeping the menu rolling, I'm so excited because we are here for another installment of the Purple Pants Premonition. But, you know, sometimes you got to go back to your roots. You got to do things how you used to do them. So I'm just excited to have Gangster Gurry back, 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 back again for his installment of the Purple Pants Premonitions. However, I don't know about y'all, but I get something from the Purple Pants Premonitions. I always feel like it speaks to my soul and I always feel like it kind of sort of guides me or just gives me information or the tools that I need. So first, let's welcome Gangsta Gurry back, back, back again. What's popping? Nothing. How are you doing? It's so good to hear your voice, child. <laughs> yes. You know, listen, we we live in the studio. You're not sending it back to the studio this week. We here. <laughs> Right, listen, because you know I was given very weather, you know, weather cast and all that type yes. of shit. Like back, back to you in the studio, Bryce. But I'm like, listen, let's go ahead, sit down, have a conversation, see what's going on, pick your brain. Also, probably help some people out that need to hear this today. You know what I mean? Yes, and I'm. That's literally transparency, and that's um what the direction I'm moving this podcast into. It's not just a. It's not a podcast. It's it's more of a. I don't even want to say therapy session. Mm-hmm. It's more of a best friend kiki. Like let's check in with each other. I have one of my best friends. Her name's Dara, and we always we've been best friends literally since tenth grade. And we always, whenever we haven't talked in a while, we'd be like, "Is there anything we, you want to put on the sharing this Karen table?" And that's literally our signal to be like bitch what's going on on? what like Mm -hmm. you know judgment free zone here you got the floor to uh say what you want but if we don't preference it by that then child we can cuss each other out so you know i just wanted to bring the you know the sharing is caring table to the purple pants podcast and especially with our purple pants premonitions so i you know last episode i had the esteemed clarissa joe middleton on for our purple pants piece and we really were talking about just preparing for fall weather and it's not i'm and mind you i ain't just talking about your boots and you know tan and brown colors <laughs> I'm talking about preparing in the sense of every year around this time, my emotions, I feel like go all over the place. And so just given with me, with how my emotions go up and down, I just really, and I always allow it to happen to me. I don't ever prepare for it. I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I'm upset for these couple of months, but mm-hmm. I, I want to change the narrative. I, this is one of them. You ever read one of them books back in the day? Not like goosebumps, but it's like you choose your ending. And it's yes. like, if you want this to happen, go to page 45. If you just sticking, turn to the page now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just at a crossroads in my life where I'm like, you know what? Do you want this to happen or just turn the page? And so I'm actually going to be skipping to page 45 today because I really want to choose to not go through these emotions that I go through. I don't want to be up here talking to the Purple Pants Posse, talking about I'm going through something today. And, and, you know, I really want to take control of my narrative. Um, And so and I'm like, well, what other avenue do I have? Purple Pants Premonition. Yes, I want to know about manifestation. I I am manifesting. I'm planting seeds that are saying like this winter fall, I'm being prosperous. I'm setting goals. I've got plans that I want to execute. And I'm just curious as to what are the tarot cards saying? What, what What's up in the spirit? Like help me out like about manifestation, about knowing that I normally go through something, but I, I want to change the route. I want to get off the train and get on a new one. I'm getting off the L and getting on the sub. I'm getting off the <laughs> sub and catching the 23. Listen, you making moves, but at the same time, you You've literally put the energy out there and freed yourself 
from what you know is already coming. That's part of what the journey is. It's always knowing what could be coming your way and freeing yourself from what the outcome is going to be and knowing that as long as you put forth that positive energy, that positive intention, that's what manifestation is. It's putting the energy out there and letting that shit go. You know, you send your positive vibes to it whenever you want, but you don't cause anxiety around it. And this is what is kind of coming up is like the major card. It's your theme. And the theme of people that are listening, we're looking for freedom. So the first card that came out is the devil card in reverse. And typically when the devil card comes out, people are very, very like, oh my God, like the devil, like, am I going to get struck by a demon? No, girl, like it's not that. It's very much about what are some of the addictions in your life? What are some of the things that you have been Mm. holding on to that don't necessarily serve you in this moment? So it's like, you know, do you want the money for this? Do you want the cars for this? Do you want the fame for this? Like, what are the reasons that you have these desires that are part of your life? And for you to be reminded that when this card comes out in reverse, like you're freeing yourself, you're releasing whatever shit has been holding on to you. You know what I mean? Like you're restoring your sense of control. So as you know that you are going into like this fall season or what have you, because I mean, the sads is real. Seasonal affective depression is very real. How do you prepare for it? So there are three different paths that we are going to talk about today that you can take in order to free yourself from the bullshit of the winter time. The first set is going to be considered around some of your interests some of your skills, some of the old things that you like to do that you want to pick back up right now. And also knowing that this is connected to who you are as a person. So I don't know if there's something like that you enjoy doing, like in your spare time that you used to do a little bit more that gave you like, you know, a little expression. Some people like singing, some people like writing, some people like painting, some people like studying. Like it's really a time for you to think about how can you channel your energy into something that brings you joy. But I also want you to think about it like this. You know that we all grew up having people telling us shit. It was like, oh, you can't do this, bitch. Like, oh, you, you're not going to be able to make this happen. Like, what is something that comes up in your mind throughout the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months to prepare you for that? Because, you know, some people may not support what you have to say. Some people may not support what you have to do. But is that your concern? That's not my business, as Tabitha Brown would say. You know what I mean? Um, yes. So it's very much about you keeping in mind that there's always going to be, you know, little opportunities that can help you to find yourself again, but you have to be willing to put energy into them and focus on that. So I want you to think about some of the things that you may like really want to dig back into. I don't know if you used to, I mean, you did used to drop a couple tunes and shit like that back in the day. (laughs) So, you know, maybe coming up with a song for the girls and some shit like that and really just throwing that out there. The eight of pentacles in reverse and the seven of wands in reverse. So eight of pentacles in reverse, uh, it typically is talking about like skill set, like a bunch of like different things that you like to do, um, maybe like different places you want to go, what have you. But since it's coming up in reverse, what are you lacking passion with? What are you uninspired by? Why are you uninspired? Where can you find your inspiration? Ask yourself that question over the next couple of weeks, like when it gets cold, like why am I not inspired? And really go through that process of talking yourself through it. While also with the seven of wands in reverse, seven of wands is all about like, am I standing my ground? Am I allowing other people to tell me what I can and cannot do? Do I trust myself enough to know that, hey, like where my energy goes, that's where my you know focus is going to flow. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. So figuring out what allows you to get That's the first thing. I don't know if that hits for something you've been thinking about throwing something out there for these folks or maybe even for yourself, girl. That'd be a great place to start. For me, it's like 
chant like it's not that I don't have the energy it's that the energy you just it just what you just said kind of like hit my spirit it's like funneling that energy to where I want it to go and I feel like that's a lot of the time where I lose my focus during this time period you know I will I will allow my energy to be in the bed snacking watching tv as opposed to allowing and putting that energy into myself, into my brand, into my business ventures, into my friendships, into, into, for real, for real, into me and putting that energy into loving me, into like, you know, because in order to be loved and receive love, you got to love yourself. And so it's like just trying to like funnel that energy back to me. I feel like, um, is where I struggle a lot of the time. I feel like the energy is like, uh, a tornado and it's just like oh it's all over the place but no I actually want to set a course for that tornado and I actually want to put it on a path and so just even having this conversation with you is just like you know being aware of some of the things and some of the problematic things that I go through regarding my energy because sometimes I'll have great intentions with my energy for instance I'll share just a personal story that happened this weekend so I I, I had a meeting uh this weekend that was supposed to be just like you know helping me hone in on what I'm doing and what my vision is. Because like, like, like you just said, I am putting that energy out there that I want to set up a, a, a bulletproof plan that, you know, helps guide me. And so in that plan, I'm like, you know what, let me meet with people that, you know, I know what my skill sets are. I know what areas I'm strong in. I know what areas I'm not strong in. And let me maybe ask for help. And so I asked for somebody that I I really respect well. And we had a meeting and mind you, the meeting was set to o'clock. And, you know, I'm like a type A slash type B person. So sometimes I'm really like date time oriented. Um, And so we had a, a set meeting. And the person hit me up. They're like, hey, I'm getting my car worked on. I'll call you when I get home. I'm like, no worries. Then, you know, 20 minutes later was like, hey, something else came up. I'll call you in a second. And I'm like, still trying to go with the flow. And then an hour and 30 minutes go by and they're calling me and <laughs> bitch, the tornado energy just took an energy of its own. And I just was sitting in my bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not in the space to, to receive this right now. And so I know some of my issues are, is that like, if I set something and it does not go my way, then ooh, child, that's so crazy that you mentioned that because of course this adds to the story, the context of where I was going with this conversation. So the Queen of Pentacles and the Four of Wands both come up in reverse. Queen of Pentacles in reverse is just about you, you know, feeling that energy to smother yourself, like maybe being a little self-centered, like, and is that okay? That's totally fine when you need to put into yourself because you don't have it to give outward. It's about how you can like communicate that. You know what I mean? And knowing that there are going to be people that can support it. There are going to be people that uh, don't understand it, but that's, that's not anything that you have to be concerned about. With the Queen of Pentacles in reverse, this is all about like really storing what you need inside of you and knowing that that comes and goes. You know what I mean? Like your energy is a roller coaster. The more that you can accept that and the more that you can appreciate it and just roll with it instead of trying to like make up, you know, like try to make it up for somebody or trying to explain it to somebody so that way they can get it and they may not understand. Like you're trying to do all this lip service for people. It's not about that. It's about like you sometimes having to really get inside of yourself and understand that that's just the way that you are. And people either love it, they don't love it, but that's nothing for you to take personally and obviously with your own uh tornado roller coaster energy like sometimes it comes and goes and the person that's going to work with you 
they have to know that. You feel what I'm saying? Like they got to right. understand that. At the same time, I do feel like that there is, you know, I'm on this road to a better Bryce. And mm-hmm. I feel like if I know that about myself, I need to do things to help contain that energy or mm. to help like lessen the the time frame that it takes for me to recover. Mm-hmm. And old Bryce, bitch, I wouldn't talk to you for a couple of weeks. Um, Cause I'll be like, you know, but you're playing with my time and my emotions and I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. And, and the new Bryce, I am, you know, I still need time to reflect, but instead of a week, you know, my new time frame for this situation was literally like a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Then I reached back out to him and was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I set up, I set out 1 p.m. to 3.30 for us. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like, you're hitting me up outside of that time frame. So it's just not going to work. Like, and I'm so happy that this person, they know me enough that they're like, okay, well, what are you doing tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Or what are you doing later tonight? And they weren't accepting, like, not meeting as an answer. And I appreciate that. But at the same time, it just has me reflecting like, listen, Miss Mamas, pull it in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and, and that for me, that just illuminates something that I need to work on. And it just illuminates more for me when I go through these like seasonal effective, just like my sad days and I can recover. But what is my time of recovery? And I really want to close that time of recovery because I, I, I am all about allowing myself to feel how I feel, but I don't want to wallow in it. I don't want to wallow in days. It I don't, you know, for real, for real, I don't want to wallow in hours in it. However, I want to be true to myself. Okay. You feel some type of way. Okay. I sit in it, but then what's the next thing that we're doing? Because we've got goals. We were manifesting this season for us. So how you feeling right now? It's not aligning in the manifestation that we've talked about. So let's get it together, Miss Mamas. Like, what do you need to do? And so that's really kind of where I'm at because I, I see these peaks and valleys, but I'm also blessed in the sense that like, I'm almost like an owl looking down like, okay, we see this pattern. What you going to do about it? So just, and just really trying to just work on myself and just, call myself out on it which is easy it's it's easier said said than done but you're doing it and that's part of the the journey and the blessing as well so last but not least you all i feel like you over here are you in my house reading the cards with me as well (laughs) because that's what it feels like the six of swords and the queen of cups in reverse comes out and these represent transition letting go moving Mm. on changing Mm. things and it's kind of like that season of like fall like things are falling you are transitioning out of one state of being into a new state of being and this is something that a lot of people understand and when it comes to your emotions that's one of the things that we struggle the most with sharing with people because we're like oh you know maybe i'm talking too much or maybe i'm feeling this way and is this understandable okay taking me over lost in the sorrow Uh, okay (laughs) okay bitch and you know what let be lost in a sorrow if you feel a little stormy you know what i mean like you riding the wave and everything like that but this is a reminder that you can control the ship you are in control of the Mm. the battleship you feel what i mean and you have to be reminded that as you are steering the ship of emotions you get to dictate which direction you want to swerve. Like, you want to swerve mm. to the left, you can swerve to the left. You want to swerve to the right, you can swerve to the right. I don't know why I'm doing the bank head bounce back and forth. Right, here, listen, I was doing the uh, swag. Oh, okay. do it, swag. And sir, as well. Okay, listen, but it's just being reminded that you are in control of your freedom during this fall season. Throughout this month of October, this is a one month. So in numerology, you know, one through nine or what have you, nine, we're in September. It represents completion. Like we come into an end, we come into transformation. October is a one month. So this is all about new beginnings, trying new things. Also realizing I want to just like, you know, congratulate you. I'm hitting the bell over here for you because you recognize that this is something that you may be going through and you want to kind of like get a head start. 
All you yes. have to be reminded of is the fact that you are conscious of this and you have the plan already put in place right now. So start doing the work, start creating the skills, start, you know, making sure that you are saying what needs to be said and people will understand that. Also, do not be ashamed of like, you know, your nurturing self. Like if you want to nurture, you can nurture. If you want to nurture yourself, like nurture yourself. Like people do that a lot more than we realize. Instagram and social media will make you think that bitches are on the move quite often. And it's like, <laughs> uh-uh, the girls are in the bed. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're just posting a quick picture so that way you can see what's ah! good. So, and then you have the four of wands and this is all about like making sure that you have that support to be reminded that that Mm. is part of your path. And as you are growing into this new state of like your emotions, you're really sharing yourself, you knowing that, you know, your wave, I mean, you are Pisces child. So, you know, you have emotions and they're strong. As long as you can accept that and other people around you love you and accept that, that's all that you need to be reminded. And it's going to be stormy, but you Mm. know what you need to do? Meditate. (laughs) I'm on. Okay. And meditation, people think that it's like you just sitting down, you know, and home. It's not just that. Meditation is the act of being present. So think about what actions you take to get present, whether that's listening to some of your favorite music. Maybe when you're driving in the car, that's the act of just like being in the moment. Like whatever it is that really just like helps you to find your center every single day or in every single moment. That's what you need to focus back on. And no, it's not going to be easy, but you got it. Yeah. I love it. And I will, I will say that more recently, maybe like in the last three weeks, I've been, cause again, I'll be honest, I have not run in such a long time. And again, for me, running is my meditation, but I'm just, I need to get back on it. That's, that's on my manifestation board. But more recently, I've been listening to some guided meditations and I didn't really know that this was out there, like on YouTube and Apple music and Spotify. Like if you are saying like, I need more positive energy, you can literally type in guided positive energy meditation and you can pick if you want a male, female, voice and it really is like thinking of where I am today and just like an e- either like you know you can even type in bad attitude guided meditation and so I've really been attempting to do guided meditation um and I've you know I'm just really out here trying to grow and I'm trying to prosper and I'm trying to like you know share share my story as I go instead of I think normally how I do it is I go through it and then I talk about it and in this season of the podcast and as I move more into you know being the millennial black queer that I am and the topics that I stand on and the topics that I talk about I don't want to just go through something and then talk about it I want to talk you through my journey and I feel like this is just Uh, the way that I'm doing it. And it's so interesting because I just, uh, a vision had came into my head while we were talking, how you say this is like, you know, you the weather girl and you report the weather Mm -hmm. for the podcast. And then you said, I am the captain of my ship. Mm -hmm. And I, in a metaphoric way, I feel like I am on this Purple Pants podcast ship and I am taking this journey. However, on this journey, I'm, you know, I'm navigating the seas and I just turned on the Purple Pants premonition weather report and you are telling me it's a storm coming. Okay. And I am like, you know what? Okay. 30 knots to the left, bitch. Cause we going to, we going bypass this storm. Okay. And that, you know, I am really like navigating my ship, um, toward the, the guidance that, you know, the purple pants premonition weather report is giving me. And so I don't, that just popped into my head and I, that kind of just was, you know, less. So I, yes. I appreciate that cause I am here for it. Of course. And I want to leave you with this. Keep in mind, as you are going through these times, as you are maneuvering the ship, where has your path led you and where will it lead you now? So you know how to get to where you're going. You know what I'm saying? You know the direction you're headed, but you've already been there. Now, where are you going with this new state of awareness, this new set of eyes? You did. You know what you're doing, child. It's Judgment Day. 
So it's like, show up how you want to do what you want to. You got this. And it's going to continue to manifest into so much more because you put that out there. So kudos. (laughs) Yes. We need a little Beyonce freedom. B, what you got to say? (laughs) What you got to say, B? (laughs) B, hurry up. All right. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Now, mind you, I didn't realize those words was going to touch me like that. I just put up Beyonce Freedom. Listen. But yes, that's. I, I think after we in the segment, I had to listen to this song because y- yeah, mm-hmm. I was about to say because I felt the wave of heat come over me, child. Ooh. I was like, is that the spirit, Lord? <laughs> <laughs> that's the Mother God Mary Beyonce. Okay, she came through like a wave. She stung me like a bee, bitch. Okay, <laughs> but no, yes. that is your uh, forecast going through this month of October. Like, of course, be ready. Be ready for seasonal pressure and be ready for what have you but you are prepared you are ready you got this yes i'm here for it and thank you so much for another installment of purple pants premonitions but before you go if someone is interested in maybe getting their own personal forecast or they want to know where they can find you at where are some of the ways that people can reach the gangster that is the girl <laughs> you can reach me gangster girl gangster with an a because we don't do that er buster buster shit, shit over here okay you can find me on instagram sometimes i'll be tweeting here and there uh you can also find me on patreon i specialize in self-actualization work so how do you help yourself become better and i like to write a couple posts on there patreon.com backslash gangsta you can find me uh at those locations or listen to me yes. over mystic moments podcast because i'll be talking Come about on. some of this shit too yes I'm just still waiting for my invite on the Mystic Podcast, but we'll talk about that another day and time. Mm -hmm. But, and before, before, before we go, for any of you guys that are, you know, missing Survivor, this around the time would be that we would have our Survivor. You know, I participated in a Philadelphia Survivor Mm-hmm. And Bay Bay, I turned it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Miss Mama's turned it out. And yes. it was so fun for me to be a part of it. And it was so much fun for me to actually watch it back because it gave me the essence of Survivor. Now we're on a block because you know I keeps my ear to the block. <laughs> I, somebody little birdie done told me Miss Mama's that is the gangster Gurry participated in a Survivor challenge. Yes, yourself. I did. So ironically enough, Survivor New York. Uh, I participated maybe like uh, Oh. Two years ago, um, oh. and it's finally just uh, getting Ooh, released. The first episode. what in the CBS production is going on? No, child. So listen, your girl is out here running in the streets, trying to vote people out, strategize and stuff. So you can watch me. Um, it's coming on every Friday over on Survivor New York. You can find it on YouTube, and uh, I'm looking forward to y'all seeing this journey because let's just say it was a time. Okay. Uh, oh, yes. I'm going to have to tune in. If somebody coming for my sister, I'm going to have to cuss them out. Okay. But yes. <laughs> so make sure you guys check that out. It's so much fun. If you are yearning for some Survivor, check out Survivor New York. Listen, we got our own Gangster Gurry on there. And that is going to conclude this week's Purple Pants Premonition. Let's keep this men you rolling. It's a purple pants pick, it's a purple pants pick. If you hurry up quick, it's a purple pants pick, yeah. That's right, you pick, I say. And we are on to my favorite, well, I should say one of my favorites, because you know when a mother has children, she can never pick a favorite, but you know sometimes she really has a favorite. But this is one of my favorite segments of the show, Purple Pants Picks. 
It's the chance that you, the Purple Pants Posse listener, get to control the podcast. You get to pick what I talk about or what you want to hear your baby boy talk about every Saturday to my Instagram. And now to Twitter, I will post our new and improved Purple Pants pick. Let me know what you thought about the new pick this week. And you can drop your topics about anything you want to hear your baby boy talk about. Now, I feel like I'm doing too much talking. So, Audrey, what's the first Purple Pants pick? The first Purple Pants picks comes from Matezus, S-Z-X-Z-E-P-A-N-C-Z-Y-H. On Twitter writes, Cadaver dogs pick up scent of human remains near the home of Carol Baskin's ex-husband. Will her Tiger King fame be her ultimate downfall? Purple Pants Posse, y'all love some Carol Baskin. And I ain't mad. She's still up there on Dancing with the Stars. Now, when I got this Purple Pants pick, I had to do some investigation work because I'm like, now what's going on here? Because here I'm kind of torn, Purple Pants Posse. Now let me know what you think. One, after watching Tiger King, I definitely think that there was something fishy going on where the husband went, especially how she was breaking into his office, forging signatures, all of that stuff, getting all of his money. Now that, I, that now, listen, they, they, that's really where I'm like, mm, Carol, did you kill your husband? Now, at the same time, I'm just like... For her family, and now don't get me wrong because I don't want to sound insensitive, but, you know, the husband has been dead and gone all of these years, right? And so for me, I'm like, well, where is all, where was all of this energy when Carol Baskin was not a household name? Why weren't you going as hard then? You know what I'm saying? Because it, it doesn't change the fact that her fame has risen. You know, if your dad, if your ex-husband is missing and gone. I was still, you know, listen, if something happened to Barb and she just went mysteriously missing, I'm going crazy every day of the week. No matter if you famous or not, I'm knocking on doors. And so I just feel like a part of me feels is this family just fame hungry? Do they want Carol Baskin's fame? Not to take away from the loss of their father and, you know, her, the ex, the ex-wife as well to her ex-husband. But for me, it's just like, I don't know, something, it's either Carol did it or y'all is just really fame hungry because y'all seem to just be coming after her. And I I just feel like you, you got all of this money to buy a primetime commercial, baby, hire a private investigator. Okay. Now these dogs picking up the sense of a human remain. Uh, they didn't smell a scent 20 years ago. Uh, oh, they wasn't looking over there 20 years ago because when he went missing, it was still a huge thing. They didn't send the dogs over there. So a part of me is like, could somebody be trying to frame her? You know what I'm saying? Because when she acquired Joe Exotic's old zoo, there was another report about remains being found in a tiger thing. And I'm just like, well, it wasn't even her zoo then. So... I don't know. I really do hope for his children and his ex-wife that they really do figure out what is going on, whether it be Carol Baskin or just finding the body and getting some type of closure. But it just seems weird. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Purple Pants Posse. Tweet me. Send me a message. You know how we go. Well, all right. Now, let's keep it moving. What's the next Purple Pants pick? The next Purple Pants picks is from Iced Chai Weather from Twitter. And they would like to know. 
Do you have any experience with drag and or RuPaul's Drag Race? I love the show. And now that I am legally able to attend shows, I love, love performances from local drag queens as well. And as the reader of this question, I just want to say real quick, Team Shay Kool-Aid. Yes, what a great purple pants pick. So. I guess there's a couple of questions you asking me here. So to answer the first one, no, baby boy does not have any experience in drag. I, you know, I support all of my trans friends. I support all of my drag queens friends. I support everybody. Any Anybody what you want to be, be you. But I'm happy being baby boy Bryce Isaiah, a.k.a. AKA Spicy Brycey, a.k.a. Perp, a.k.a. Bryce the Azea. Now, for me watching Drag Race, RuPaul Drag Race, I, I, sad to say, I've never really watched a full season. I always kind of just catch clips, what I see online, different things like that. One of my favorite uh, drag race contestants is Jasmine Matters. Okay, I'm Jasmine Matters and I've got something to say. Okay, and I'll always be watching her smoke her weed on her live. You have anybody ever watch her? She'll literally be going on her live. She'll smoke weed and just like talk to her fans. And sometimes I'll just sit and watch because it's so entertaining. However, I do love a good drag brunch, okay? A couple of years ago for my cousin's birthday, we went to, in Philly, there's a place called Bernie's on South Street, and they do drag, uh, I'm about to say drag race, but they do drag shows there, and it's really, really fun. I have a, had a great time. And then also for my friend Melissa, she had a bridal shower, and at the Fillmore in Philly, uh, the Fillmore is a, it is a music venue, and then they also have Punchline, which is right next door to it. Anybody from Philly knows what I'm talking about. And Punchline is like a comedy show. And that's actually when Rob has a podcast came to Philly. We were at Punchline and Punchline does drag brunches there. Now that is fun. So for my friend Melissa, for her bridal shower, we went to a brunch, uh, a drag brunch, and it was so much fun. Now, mind you, they did get me up on that stage, okay? So, I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe I do got a little experience, Purple Pants Posse, but it was so much fun. And I love the energy that when you go to a drag performance show that it gives. And I love a lot of the times that the crowd is so multi-diverse. It's black, white, gay, straight, yellow, green, and it's just a, a, a energy, a positivity. It's so much fun. So if you guys have never gone to a drag show or a drag brunch when COVID is over, I highly recommend it. It's absolutely fun. Now let's keep these purple pants picks moving. What you got? Jonathan Rose 10 on Instagram writes, how are you voting? Let's get the purple pants posse excited to vote. Baby boy, Jonathan. Yes, it's so crazy. I literally had this. I was on the phone with Barb the other day because Barb bought Sunshine a coat and Barb FaceTimed me and was like, look at Sunshine's coat. I'm like, okay, girl, bye. And she's like, don't be rude. I'm like, I don't want to sit here and look at no dog with a coat because you could buy me a coat. So anyway, we discontinued our conversation. And two seconds later, she called me back. and was like, oh, wait, wait, I wanted to call you. I wanted to ask you, how are you voting? So I had this conversation with Barb and I guess I can bring it to the Purple Pants Posse. First of all, I want to say that no matter what political party you are affiliated with, more power to you. However, I really do feel as though in this year... With everything that we've gone through the last four years, but more specifically in 2020, Big Bay, I know they say it every year, but we have to get out and vote. 
vote like it has never mattered before. And I personally always take voting so seriously because I feel like it is my constitutional right. And there was a time in my life that my great great grandmother, Madeline, when I, you know, she owned a hair salon. And when my mom used to get her hair done by my grandmom, my great grandmother would be upstairs and I'll always just be upstairs with her. And I just can remember her talking about stories and things of her past. And I always was just so captivated. And I remember when my mom would be done getting her hair, she would have to come upstairs. I'm like, come on, Bryce, it's time to go. And I would always just want to stay and listen to mama. That's what we call her. And I remember her telling me at a very young age that when it's time for me to vote, that I, I need to vote because she remembered a time in her life when she was not allowed to vote. And even when she was allowed to vote, some of the things and the hurdles that she had to endure just to vote. So for me, despite even this year, I always try to vote in, you know, our local elections, the elections that are not as popular, because I just always think about mama. And I want to make sure that for my lineage, for my family, that I pay homage to my great grandmother, who in a point when she was probably my age could not vote. So I always want to make sure that I always go out and rock the vote. And I've been really trying to stay away from this topic because it's so divisive. But we really are at such a uh, I don't even know what to say. But I just really want to encourage you guys all to get out and vote and, you know, vote however you choose to vote. But big bay, forget like forget Republican, forget Democrat. Just think about we are supposed to be the nation of the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I just want someone in office that embodies that. That's not just a Republican president. That's not just a Democratic president. That is an American president and stands for the American people, not just their supporters and not just what looks good for them, because a lot is at stake. And over the last couple of years, there have been a lot of federal judges appointed to courts and we don't really talk about it. And those type of things are everlasting changes, lifetimes of changes. We think of same sex marriages. Okay, we think of women having the right uh, to choose and all of those things are at stake. And so I just can't urge my purple pants posse enough to get out there and vote, vote. Like your life depends on it because I, the way I'm looking at it, our life really does depend on it. Okay. Our nation depends on it. So when you hear this part of the podcast, I need for you to pause the podcast and I need for you to tweet me. I'm voting brights. Okay. I'm retweeting everyone that I see because I need to make sure that my purple pants posse is excited about voting and that we are getting out and voting. All right. Okay. I know I'm going on and on and on, but vote, 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 vote. All right. What's the next purple pants pick? The next purple pants pick comes from D. Danoli wants to know. Do you think you will ever be invited back to play another season of Survivor? Ooh, baby boy. Such a good pick again. Now, wait a minute, Audrey. What's his name again? Because I ain't hear you, girl. D. Danoli. I guess my microphone might have broke up again. Wait, 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 wait. Who who put this purple pants pick in? D. Danoli. Well, to answer your question, I, I don't know. And I, I don't know if I will ever play again. 
However, this is what I, this is the story, and this is the story that I'm sticking to. Survivor is my favorite show in the world. And when I even look back at season 28, Survivor Kagiyan, and you saw your baby boy strutting off, okay? Strutting off that boat in them purple pants, okay? I haven't seen them photos in a while. So if any of y'all happen to be watching Kagiyan, and you, you, you get to the port, you get to the port when I step off and I strut, screenshot that and tweet that to me too, okay? I know I'm giving you a lot of homework, but listen, okay? Because listen, I was, that was a very proud moment for me. And I, no matter however I fared in the game, it is still such an honor and a privilege to be a part of such an amazing community and to say that I am a survivor. I play on the show Survivor. Like, you know, so that is forever great memories for me. So whether or not I play again, I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I'm on their radar. I think that they've got other players that they like. However, you know, th- I feel like this podcast is all about manifestation and you know if the cards allow if you know the survivor gods will have me your baby boy will for sure be making the merge okay because i'm gonna get me some of that merge feasts you hear me and i am manifesting that listen i will be the winter of that season okay oh i'm coming home with a million dollars i'm coming home with a million dollars so again to answer your question i don't know it would be such an honor to play again however it's such an honor for me to be a fan and to watch it at home but listen get ready because if they were to ever have your baby boy back whoo chile i ain't playing no games all right enough with that what's the next purple pants pick Jason underscore Costello writes, best places to hike slash run in Philly. Jason, I could write a book. Now, what I would say is that Philadelphia is surrounded by Fairmount Park. And Fairmount Park is a huge park all over the city of brotherly love. And almost of each subsection in Philadelphia, whether it be West Philly, North Philly, Southwest, Northwest, Fairmount Park touches each subsection of Philadelphia. So I recommend Fairmount Park. I actually, in the area that I live in, we have, it's called the Wissahickon Trail, and it is Great for hiking, running. If you like trail running, you can, there are trails that you can go that are actually pretty difficult. Uh, and there also is a, what's adjacent to what's taken is kind of, it's called Forbidden Drive. Now, any of you guys that have been following me for years know that that's my secret hidden gym. <laughs> no pun intended that it's called Forbidden Drive, but I love Forbidden Drive. It's just a, just such a, I don't even want to say sacred, but just such a, a really wonderful place, uh, that you can go running, you can go hiking. And if you do, the full loop of Forbidden Drive is about 10 miles. So it's really great. Also, by the Art Museum, we've got Kelly Drive. Kelly Drive is a great area to run if you kind of want to be seen. You know, you go out there, be seen by the Art Museum, run up, do the Rocky Steps. And then even in what we call University City, which you can get to this running trail from the steps, is they call it like the Schuylkill River Trail. The Schuylkill Banks and Boardwalk is another really great kind of they've over maybe like the last five years, they really have built it up. We've also got the Ben Franklin Bridge that you can run. We've also got maybe if you are familiar with the Philadelphia area in your downtown Spruce Street between like Schuylkill and Delaware River is a great spot that you can run. There's just so many little hidden gems in this city of brotherly love. 
And more importantly, I thank you for asking this question because I woke up this morning and I was like, baby boy, you got to get your running back. You know, you really been kind of just letting it go down. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to run today. And my day kind of sort of got away from me, but I tried to manifest it for it to happen. And you sent this purple pants pick. So in honor of this purple pants pick, I am going to run after I am done recording. All right. So listen, if y'all don't see no running uh, post on my page, you better. I need you to DM me and say, baby boy, you said you was running. You said you was running. All right. Now let's get into our final purple pants pick of this week. And our final Purple Pants pick of this week comes from truly gifted by his grace underscore asks, why is fitness so hard to reach the black community? First of all, I have to say, I just love my Purple Pants posse because this person that's writing in, her name is Angel and we went to high school together and I didn't even know she listened to the podcast. So shout out to you, Angel. And Angel is a fitness instructor in the Philadelphia area, but I I really think that this leads to a great topic of, you know, sometimes there is some pushback, uh, especially in the black community and regarding fitness and getting them to not buy in, but but making it a part of our lifestyle. And I for my and again, I, I, I can't speak for the black community. I can only speak for myself, who is a millennial black queer. And I feel that some of our struggles and getting us to be more active and getting to buy into the fitness is that we've got so much else on our plate. We are struggling to make ends meet. We are struggling to stay alive. We are struggling to financially be adequate. And so I think it's a combination of a lot of that, that we don't have the luxuries. And I'm not speaking for all, but I'm speaking specifically for myself and some of the things that I see is that a lot of the times my fitness becomes less because I am, I'm worried about my mental health. I'm trying to stay safe. I'm trying to stay healthy. I'm trying to pay bills. I'm trying to make sure my family's good. I'm trying to make sure I don't get killed by police. I'm trying to just live. I'm trying not to get COVID. So it's so much. And it, you know, sometimes the way, the way if you look at people's lifestyle, fitness is, yes, it's healthy for you and it is well-being, but sometimes it's a luxury. And when you don't have the a luxury life or you don't have these privileges, sometimes the luxuries get put back to the end. So I really love people like Angel who really embody fitness and make it a part of her life and her journey and her mission. And she's always talking about it in social media. She's always talking about it in person. And so I think we need more ambassadors like you and myself to really set the example, set the bar that physical fitness is just like eating breakfast. It's we want to live long and prosperous lives and we've got to manifest it into us that we have to put this into us. We've got to put it into our community. We've got to put it into our children. We've got to put it into our friends. And so that's my two cents on it. But I think that's a really good question. Thank you so much, Angel. And just a reminder, if your pick didn't get picked this week, do not worry. Every Saturday on Bryce's Instagram and Twitter at Bryce Isaiah, that's B-R-I-C-E-I-Z-Y-A-H. Bryce posts the purple pants picks and it's your chance as the listener to get your pick in. Tune in next week to see if your purple pants pick was picked. It is time for advice. All right, everyone, welcome back to another edition of Advice with Bryce. We're going to go ahead and get right into today's submission. 
Hey Bryce, my name is Abdallah, but you can call me A. I'm a 21-year-old medical student in Sweden. I was looking for advice regarding confidence. I am more of an introverted person that likes to focus on studying. That's why I usually find it hard to connect with people and make true friendships. I feel like my college years are going towards studying more than anything else and was wondering if you have any advice on how I can get more self-confidence and open up more to people. Love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Nasir. And what's up, eh? Yes. First of all, shout out to Sweden. Okay, the Purple Pants Posse is international if you did not know. So I think that this was a great question and I feel like I could help. One thing I want to start off by saying, A, is that you are in medical school. So your college days should be filled with studying. However, I feel like there needs to be a balance of study time college life, and personal life. And I think that you have to find a balance. Now, I know that you said that you're an introvert, and that's something that I can relate to because I feel like I am an extrovert meets an introvert. I'm very outgoing. I love to meet people. I love to just be around people. But at the same time, I love to just be in my space and leave me alone, put my phone on, do not disturb. And I leave me alone. Let me just be by myself. I think that it's great that you can acknowledge that you are an introvert, but that doesn't mean that that's it. I'm introverted. and That's it. You know, you still got homework. You still got things that you need to do as an introvert. And you knowing that you are introvert, I think that you should be going out of your way. Try to make friends to try to build bonds that really can last a lifetime, essentially. And so there are different ways, I'm sure, on your campus. You've got classmates that you can meet. You've got people that you can turn into study time. And a lot of the time during study time, you can talk about personal things and kind of get to know people. So I think that that is one way that you can manifest yourself from being an introvert that still has extrovert qualities. It's not an easy task and it's something that you have to kind of set in your mind that I'm going to do that. You know, maybe there's someone in your class that you're like, oh, they seem cool. Then go out of your way and be nice. Give a compliment and start a conversation. You never really know where that can lead. I remember uh, when I was a freshman at Temple University, I have a friend, her name's Rachelle, and we, uh, I, I, I was very much an introvert at that time and especially when I'm around new people. And it was funny because she is definitely an extrovert. She was like loud and, you know, everyone knew her. And I I, I figured we would probably be really good friends. And one day we were uh, we were at Mitten Hall and I was like literally right in front of her. And instead of holding the door, I slammed the door in her face and she opened the door like, excuse me. And I just turned around and I just was literally cracking up. And she was like, you did that on purpose. And ever since then, we've been friends and we've we've been friends for X amount of years because I don't want to tell you how many years because then you're going to say, well, wait a minute. If you didn't did, then that means you're this old. But no, but just little things can really go a long way. And so, again, I think acknowledging the fact that you are an introvert and doing things that aren't characteristic of you making, you know, saying hello, going out of your way to be nice to someone. uh, The act of kindness goes so forgotten in a lot of these societies today because everyone's so social media, everyone's online, and you really can make good friends 
by slamming the door in somebody's face and you never really know where it can go. Also in this digital age, we there are a lot of online communities, a lot of online support groups, a lot of places that you can find out about events happening um, that are COVID safe and friendly that you can go to meet up with people. I remember another time in my life when I had started a new job and I had a friend who was interested in biking and we biked together a lot, but he had moved and he was like, well, there is an app called Meetup and you can do different things on the app. If you like to play tennis, if you like to bike ride, you can post that you're going to play tennis or post that you're going to bike ride and people will respond. And I did that for a couple of times and I actually met some really good people that I still keep in contact to this day. Also, what are some of your hobbies? What are some of the things that you like? At my job, there was this young lady. Her name is Rachel. I call her Ra. Um, and we didn't seem like we had much in common. And I, during my lunch break, I would always go running. So I always had my little running gear and I would then like, you know, go out and run. And so one day I got an email from Rachel and she was like, hey, like I'm a runner too. If you ever want to run, I could show you some trails that I run around here. And we are, our friendship really blossomed from that. And we became runners together. And I have since left that job and we don't see each other as often as I would like. But literally maybe a month ago, I was thinking about her and I sent her a card like, Hope all is well. Miss you. Let's get together soon. And so hopefully soon we'll be able to go running. But I say that story to say is that like through our hobby of running and she saw that I was a runner and she looked me up on our work directory and sent me an email and our friendship forged from there. So there are so many ways in your own personal life, in school, in med school that you could make friends. And I think that what I am challenging you with, uh, yes, you you wrote advice with Bryce, and guess what? I'm manifesting some homework for you, baby boy. I want you to do something within these next two weeks that is that you normally wouldn't do. Send an email, send a text to somebody that maybe you're not that friendly with, but you don't know, and see where that leads. And I need for you to email me back or DM me and let me know how it went. And that goes for any Purple Pants Posse, especially with everyone us dealing with COVID and all of these things. Like, do something nice. Send your neighbor a note. Now, let me tell you this random thing. Oh, my God. Now, it's kind of spooky, but just in, in the essence of speaking of random acts of kindness. So, first of all, I love the mail. I love the postal mail service. So, first of all, shout out to them. I, but I think that the art of mail and letters and is something of a lost, it's a, it's literally a lost culture in our society. So, any of my friends know, any of my good, good friends, they know I send birthday cards. I send random greeting cards. I, maybe that's why I stay in contact with my love at the lockup bay, Danny, because I really love to write letters. And I think it's something to be said when you receive, you know that someone took the time to write something, not just a text and you get it in the mail. But back to my story. So I literally got my mail today and it was a letter addressed to me like Mr. Bryce Johnston. And it was from this lady who she's from Philly and her address was not that far from mine. Her name was Donna and I opened it up. It was a handwritten letter and it basically was saying that she was thinking of me and had I prayed today and that she literally hand wrote a prayer and she put her email address in it. 
Now, I am kind of like, who is this lady? How you get my address? But I thought the act of it was so nice. And so I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to like send her an email or write back, but I don't know. It just really kind of brought me happiness a little bit. And I feel like as I'm on my journey to manifesting happiness and like things for myself, this was literally the gods sending me a a beautiful message. So just random story uh, to tie into my advice with Bryce. But A, I definitely think that you are onto something and I hope to hear from you. And thank you so much for this week's advice with Bryce. And once again, if you feel like you need advice with Bryce, please do not hesitate to reach out to the Purple Pants Podcast. You can contact Bryce at purplepantspodcast at gmail.com. Who's the freak? Who's the freak? Who's the freak of the week? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that freaky, freaky freak? The freak of the week might be me, might be my be. And we've made it to the freak of the week. You know, I live for the freak, the freak of the week, big bay. Might be me, might be you, might be. Okay, listen, I still be singing it all the time. Okay, I be in the shower hitting a note. So, this week's Freak of the Week. So, it's kind of an interesting story. So, a couple of weeks ago, when Brandon Shapiro was the Freak of the Week, he had just did one of those e-weekly uh, survivor questionnaires with the Dalton Ross. And it was amazing. And Dalton Ross has been doing these survivor off-ed uh, interviews since we don't have Survivor. He's been interviewing a lot of survivors that we don't hear about. And I just love it because I always just, you know, I love to hear from people that we don't normally hear about. And in Survivor, I have said this before. Not just because I am a uh, a pre a pre mer. I don't know what that is because I'm not a pre mer, but I am a pre merge boot. And a lot of the times, and I'll be honest, when I'm watching Survivor, I sometimes lose interest after the merge because I feel like a lot of the colorful and crazy and kooky characters get taken out early. So I'm always a fan of the pre merge boots, and then. Your baby boy happens to play and I'm up pre-merge, but I, I just love them. So sometimes I'm sad because I don't want them to go. However, his interviews are amazing. And so in my head, I'm like, well, I wonder if you're going to ask your baby boy. But guess what? He did a couple of weeks ago. He reached out and said he'd be honored to have me. And I was like, yes, don't make me feel like make your baby boy feel like something. So he actually emailed me last night and just to say, hey, the interview is going to be coming out on Tuesday. And I'm like, hey, that's when my podcast come out. Perfect. And so, you know me, I just happened to take to the Insta and I'm like, you know what? Let me do a peruse of Dalton's Instagram now. Am I the only person that does that? If I haven't talked to someone in a long time and they text me or they randomly hit me up, I don't know why I'm like, well, all right, let me see what they was up to. Let me go to the, let me see their Instagram. You know, I just like to go there. So, baby, I went to the Dalton Ross, okay? And if any of you guys don't know who he is, he is the executive editor at large of Entertainment Weekly and the host of EW Live, okay? Come on, Dalton. So I went to his page and Bay Bay, it just definitely did not disappoint. It looked like back on September 12th, baby boy was at a lake. Whew. 
and he says, my happy place. And it looks like there is a series of photos of Dalton jumping into the water and he is looking like baby boy is having a time in his life. And that is the energy we love here at the Purple Pants Podcast. So yes, Dalton jumping into the lake is the freak of the week. And baby, y'all know what to do. Go on and hit up the Dalton Ross and let him know he is the freak of the week. And thank you so much, Dalton, for taking the time to interview me for your survivor question. It was truly an honor. And if you guys have not checked it out, I will definitely be retweeting it. And you know, read what your baby boy had to say, because listen, okay. I'm not going to say that Bryce did the interview. I'm going to say maybe Spicy Brycey might have been doing answering them questions. I was honest and just, you know, I said what I said in my Nene Leaks voice. But with that being said, if we are saying Dalton is the freak of the week, we are coming to an end of another amazing podcast. I am forever grateful for my listeners. I am forever grateful for my Purple Pants Posse. But listen, I need for y'all to do me a favor. I need for you to subscribe to my podcast. If you have already subscribed, I need for you to write a review. I was looking at the review and I said, okay, wait a minute. Now, you know, Miss Barr write a review every week. I, you know, I want to see some new reviews. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want your baby boy to do. Let me know what you like. Let me know what I can improve on. I need this type of feedback. So make sure you subscribe to my podcast. Make sure you write a review. Make sure you give me some one, two, three, four, five stars and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a abuela to tell a titi to tell a auntie to tell a big mama to tell a uncle pookie and to tell a aunt debbie about the purple pants podcast and with that being said i will catch you guys next week i'll call you back later you know where to find me it's a it's a it's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the purple pants podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. It's the purple pants podcast. You trying to unwind? You better get that box wine. It's the purple pants podcast. You trying to get your snack? You better hurry right back though. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants.